invite you to turn with me this morning to the Gospel according to Luke, chapter 1. I'm going to be reading verses 39 through 56, ultimately. But we will actually start with verses 39 through 45, and then we will pause and we'll come back to verses 46 through 56. I pray that this has been, um, as David testified for himself, that this has been a good and refreshing Advent season, that you've um, you've found some help, that um, you've sensed God's nearness to you. If you haven't gotten one already, by the way, there there are still a, a few copies of the, um, the Advent Christmas Epiphany Guide and Simple Guide to Advent Christmas and Epiphany out on the information table in the foyer of the um, of the church. If if you haven't gotten one already, please do get one, and you can quickly catch up. It's not very long. It's not very lengthy or detailed, but uh, hopefully it's got some uh, some snippets of help. Um, and so if you don't have uh, one in your possession yet, please grab one at the end of service. Luke chapter 1, beginning at verse 39, we read, Now Mary arose in those days and went into the hill country with haste to a city of Judah and entered the house of Zacharias and greeted Elizabeth. And it happened, when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, that the babe leaped in her womb and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Then she spoke out with a loud voice and said, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. But why is this granted to me, that the mother of my Lord should come to me? The babe leaped in my womb for joy. Blessed is she who believed, for there will be a fulfillment of those things which were told her from the Lord. I have uh, very little doubt that you are probably well familiar with the words of the Christmas song, which we hear playing constantly on um, most radio stations. Some stations will continue playing uh, well beyond Christmas Day, at least a few days into uh, to the proper Christmas season. Those words are as follows. Chestnuts roasting on an open fire. Jack Frost nipping at your nose. Yuletide carols being sung by a choir. And folks dressed up like Eskimos. I think that would be considered ethnically insensitive thing to say nowadays, but they play it nonetheless. You get away with all sorts of... Cigars and doing all sorts of bad things, calling people, you know, saying people are dressed up like Eskimos. Everybody knows a turkey and some mistletoe help to make the season bright. Tiny tots with their eyes all aglow will find it hard to sleep tonight. They know that Santa's on his way. He's loaded lots of toys and goodies on his sleigh. And every mother's child is going to spy to see if reindeer really know 
how to fly. And so I'm offering this simple phrase to kids from one to you. We as Christians bemoan the secularization of Christmas. It makes our blood boil when we hear or see references to Xmas. We we hear often and we see it on our Facebook pages. We see it on yard signs, don't take Christ out of Christmas. We get disgusted when we're told by the school where they are now given winter breaks rather than Christmas breaks. We get frustrated at the store when we're purchasing new holiday trees and holiday lights because we say these are obviously Christmas trees and Christmas lights for those Christmas trees. This is the Christmas season. You know it. I say no, this is the Advent season. Christmas season's coming up. It'll be 12 days to celebrate it. I love secular Christmas songs, especially those by the Rat Pack. One of my favorite Christmas CDs is uh, Christmas with the Rat Pack. I love those songs sung by Nat King Cole and and all the other guys. Um, I, I like the Christmas song. It's a delightful little song. But what in the world does this song, written in 1944 by Mr. Mel Torme, have anything to do with the birth of Christ? Or with the incarnation of God. It's pagan. German paganism. Eskimos aren't particularly Christian. They don't necessarily have to be Christian. Choirs, we're not told it's a church choir, it's just a choir. Jack Frost nipping at your nose, chestnuts. Roasting on an open fire. I, I, we bought some chestnuts last year. I never made chestnuts, and I thought they were kind of cool because they looked really pretty. They looked like little... Good. But they don't really have anything to do with Christ. They don't have anything to do with the birth of our Savior. Santa's on his way. He's got toys and goodies on his sleigh. Wondering if reindeer know how to fly. Turkey, mistletoe, all those things are delightful, but they really are not Christian. They're not pagan, but they're... I love the things that we celebrate in this season that don't necessarily have anything expressly to do with Christ. I like candy canes. and We forget the fact that those do have a Christian message in them. The shepherd's crook. The white and red ribbons. But we don't associate that nowadays with Christian teaching. Trees. Most people forget the significance of trees. We have a Christmas tree. Covered in monograms of Christ. 
I love the, the um, anticipation and hopefulness of, is it going to snow? We're going to have a white Christmas in Georgia. You see little flurries and think, woohoo, it's here, the blizzard. But that's nothing to do with the birth of Christ. Those are all well and good, but they're not explicitly Christian. Snow is not Christian. And scarves and mittens. There's nothing gospel oriented about those things. But we like them. We associate them with the season. In fact, we say there's something wrong with a Christmas if you're in shorts and a t-shirt. Forget the fact that you're in the South. We want to bundle up on Christmas because we think that is what makes Christmas Christmas, right? And so we have this song titled The Christmas Song and there's nothing explicitly Christmassy about it. One or 92 or anywhere in between. I guess if you're 93, you're out. But um, 93 wouldn't, wouldn't rhyme there. Beautiful song. Lovely to hear. We've heard all sorts of... I think Nat King Cole did the most popular version of that. We've got uh, Mike, Michael Buble, I think, now does one. It sounds lovely. Lots of, lots of different versions of it. Some by you know, people who are... Pagans, outright pagans, but you know, they're wishing us miracles. Reduced Christmas to winter of fun and games. Nothing more really than the Winter Olympics. It's just a time where we celebrate snow and having a good old time, bundling up, getting excited about things. The world hasn't taken Christ out of Christmas. Memo. Get this. The world has not taken Christ out of Christmas. The church has simply left. We've forgotten that this season is about Him. We've forgotten that this season is not about all the other stuff. All the periphery. We've forgotten that it's about the babe wrapped in swaddling cloths and laid in a manger. We've forgotten the fact that Christmas is about God becoming one of us. And so we fill our time with Christmas songs that really have nothing to do with the meaning. Season. I was asking Lindsay earlier in the week, I, 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 I don't know if it's hypocritical, I don't know if it's kind of uh, uh, um, divided heart, I, I don't know what to make of it because I'm adamant that Christmas is about Christ and yet I find, yeah, I like, you know, I, there's something sentimental about mittens and scarves and, you know, eggnog. I, I love the fact that our boys obsessively love eggnog. Even Ransom's gotten where he likes some eggnog. Until day after Thanksgiving. Day after Thanksgiving, we're going to Kroger, we're getting And we're going to go back several times to get more. But I love those things, and yet 
I know they don't have anything really to do with the birth of Christ. What is Advent? Advent is the coming of God in Christ. Advent is not this Christmas song. Advent is not something that Mr. Mel Torme sang about, Nat King Cole sang about. The real Christmas song is that song that we find on the lips of Mary in verses 46 through 55, really, of Luke chapter 1. We call it the Magnificat. Latin for magnifies. For she says, my soul magnifies. Rejoice in God my Savior, for He has regarded the lowly state of His maidservant. For behold, henceforth all generations will call me blessed. For He who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is His name. And His mercy is on those who fear Him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with His arm. He has scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. He has put down the mighty from their thrones and exalted the fathers to Abraham and to his seed forever. And then Luke comments, And Mary remained with her about three months, and returned to her house. That is the song of Christmas. That is why today we celebrate. That is why we light a pink candle instead of a candle. Because we're not, we're, not, we're not just waiting. We have calls now to celebrate. Christmas is almost here. Our Lord's return is almost here. With the church, historically, we cry out, Maranatha, Lord, come quickly. We with them cast our gaze to the skies because He's coming back to receive us. We with Mary look forward to Christmas Day. The church declares, the Scriptures proclaim to us the coming of God in Christ. He has in fact come and He will indeed come again. Mary speaks of all things being put back to order. All things being put to rights as though they've already happened. Mary still lived in a world of oppression. We still live in a world of oppression. We still live in a world where evil is often praised and where good is either mocked or forgotten. We still live in a world where we hope for God's kingdom to come, we rightly pray with the church, thy kingdom come and thy will be done. For Christ taught us to pray that way. And yet, the gospel, the good news, what Christ himself proclaimed is that the kingdom has come. The kingdom is near. The kingdom is on our borders. We live in that time
establishment of the kingdom and the coming of Christ in the hopeful expectation that he will fulfill that kingdom at a future time. And so we live today, as Mary did, as though all things were put to rights. For in this, the church, we are called to live as people of the, of the kingdom. We are called to live in love and peace and harmony and unity. We're to live in joy and hope. That's what Christmas is about. It's about the fact, not the myth, not the legend, not the story, but the fact that God in our time and space has come into our midst. That He was born. I think I've said it both of the last two weeks of Advent. If that does not blow your mind, you need to stop and rethink things. God became one of us to redeem us. We can't get our minds around that. And nor should we. That is the mystery of all mysteries. That a baby crying out in the dark of night. And being comforted by his mother is the eternal word of the Father. So we celebrate. Today, in the lighting of the pink candle, we celebrate the fact of Advent. Not the historical revision of the church. Not the hopeful wish that maybe God has done something, but the fact that God something. God became the one who can be touched. He actually did take on our flesh. Became one of us. We celebrate with Mary of our Redeemer. And we await with the church through the ages His glorious return. This is the third Sunday of Advent. I asked you two weeks ago, where are you? We're at that midway point, give or take a few days. We pause in our preparation and we celebrate that Christmas is almost here and our Lord's return draws near. And again, I ask you, where are you? Caught up yet again in the hubbub of the season and the rush? He has come. And He will come again. Today we celebrate. Today we cry out, as Mary did, that His coming declares and demands that our lives be put to the right.
that our world be lived in harmony with His kingdom. Today we celebrate the fact that God in Christ has redeemed us and will fulfill that redemption in His return. He who came will come again. And those are not just theological speculations. Those are not just abstract theory. Facts. God became one of us. And God will come again to receive us. Today we celebrate Emmanuel. God with us. God in our very midst. God alongside of us. God in a manger. God Please take out your communication card once again. Look at the back of it. I want to invite you as we prepare to sing the final song, as we prepare to respond to God in prayer, I want to invite you to look at the back of that communication card and consider making with me these three responses. You'll find them also on the back of your bulletin. Please hang on to your bulletin. Please, please hang on to your bulletin. But please... uh you this morning to pray something with me, to do something with me, and to become something with me. I want you to pray for the Spirit to prepare you, to prepare me for Christ's coming, both in heart and life, not just a feeling that we muster up, not just some hope, but in heart and life to prepare for the coming of Christ. To prepare for Christmas Day, or we celebrate His birth, to prepare also for His return to receive us. I mentioned a few moments ago this simple guide to Advent, Christmas, and Epiphany. Some of you have already started using that. Meant to, but you've neglected to. Please uh, consider committing with me to use this guide. As we prepare, not just for Christmas Day, but as we celebrate on Christmas Day, and then also as we celebrate on in the days that follow. And then lastly, I want you to consider with me intending to become more sensitive to Christ's nearness. More sensitive to His closeness to us, His presence with us, and especially... His nearness to us in the lives of others. He is, His presence is not something intangible. It's not something 
merely abstract. It's not something that we await or hope for. We are able to find His presence in others that He puts along our path. Others who weep and mourn. Others who celebrate. Others who are found in need. And so, I want to ask you to consider with me becoming more sensitive.